afternoon and welcome to another stellar edition of the drive here on fan run radio russell smith punching the time clock on a beautiful thursday afternoon edition of the show and though we do not drink from the keg of glory we drink from something pretty close something different something special something that Even a lackluster basketball performance on the road at Mississippi State last night cannot diminish. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Satan, uh, Saban, is gone. Bill Belichick is gone. Two of the goats have shuffled on off of the stage, and we enter a new era, a new age, a new day. In the world of American tackle football, Bear, yes, Houston, sir. Tucker, it's good to see you all. It feels different today, doesn't it? Do you call that the keg of hope? The keg of hope, yes. That's good. Yeah, I can I mean, work it, with that. It, it definitely, there's been a, a seismic shift in professional and college football. Are those rumors about Kirby interviewing for the Falcons job today true? I haven't seen those rumors. I know they've been out there. I would be stunned, but elated, stunned, and stunned. We couldn't be that lucky, right? To lose both Saban and Kirby in the same week. I mean, that would it would be like Christmas in January. That's that's for sure. Wow. Who would which? Uh, which program do you think would be how would I word this? Uh better able to transition away from whether it be Georgia. Ooh. Without the the best chance of not missing a beat and not really dropping off that much. Because I kind of feel like it's Georgia. I kind of do too. It's a good question. I'm hesitant to even entertain it because it feels like such fantasy. Kirby Smart ain't going nowhere. Kirby Smart ain't going nowhere. What's that dude's name? Who's the owner of the Falcons? Arthur Blank. You think he hands him a blank check, so to speak? You would be. You'd have to be a grade A moron. First of all, here Kirby's a rah rah guy. He 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 curses his guys. He's a big motivator guy. Mm. That ain't the thing in the NFL, man. It's all strategy at that level. Second of all, you're going to leave your alma mater. Where you're a god amongst men, you're worshipped, you've got it rolling, your number one impediment to success has just retired. You're going to walk away from all of that to go to the Falcons, a team that doesn't have a quarterback and no easy prospects of acquiring one. You're going to get your brain speed in. Like, uh, you know, that just seems like a complete legacy ruiner to me. Hmm. No, no, he, he ain't taking that job, man. That's crazy talk. But somebody's going to take the Alabama job as it is open 
And it doesn't appear that that somebody is going to be land danning. Mm-mm. As he pretty emphatically shot it down, released a video. I know. I know what you're going to yeah. say, Chris. It's college football. You never say never. I'm right there with you. But that would be one hell of That wasn't just like Nick Saban being boxed in in a press conference right, and, right, and right. having to, uh, no choice but to address it point blank. Like He could have remained quiet. Land Danning could have. Instead, he releases a video emphatically declaring that he's not going anywhere. He's staying he's in Oregon. You just wonder. <laughs> you just wonder if Alabama goes to the next guy and maybe the next guy uh, and the next guy, and then they cycle back to Dan and said, whatever we offered you last week, add 50%. Who off their list? Again, I, I've, I've thought about it all night. It, it's still just running over and over in my head. Tell me who off their hot board do you think would just automatically say yes just because it's Alabama? I think Mike Norvell would take it. Yeah, especially after last year. I think Kiffin would take it. See, I don't. I don't think Lane Train takes that. Really? Why would he? He's an old Miss. Why would he not? A 12-team, if it was a 12-team playoff this year, they would have been in. But it wasn't a 12-team playoff. and But next year is, and he's... But what, do you just want to make it, or do you want to win it? Mm. Can, can you win it at Ole Miss? Can Everything being equal, I think you can now. Can you win it at Bama with Lane as your coach? I don't know. He's not won anything. So this is the thing I keep trying to tell people is you never won anything. You never won any championships that actually matter. He might have won a conference title at FAU, but he he hasn't won anything at USC, Tennessee, or Ole Miss. He's ringless. He's trophyless. He doesn't have anything. So, yeah, I mean, there would be expectations attached to to him at Alabama that he's never had to deal with for any prolonged period of time. I guess he did have to deal with it at USC and it ended up costing him his job because he didn't deliver because he's never won anything because he's a paper tiger and a fake, a phony, and a fraud. Well, and then you've got Norvell who up until what? When was the – I mean, that guy was on the hot seat. Yeah. Like, no way he was going to survive being the FSU coach and he's – not only has he pulled off that rare feat of – coaching his way off the hot seat which according to russ is next to impossible he might turn that into being the head man at alabama if he gets it i think he's 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 three and done oh you mean like he just would not succeed there hell no i mean yeah guy i I could see that i i think though he is one that would take it immediately if offered especially with i mean what else can you do at florida state to be left out of the playoffs he went undefeated. He did everything he was supposed to do, and they still couldn't get in. They've still got a mile of junk they got to overcome with the ACC if they want to opt out. He may see it as a, I can't succeed here because of the conference and because of the university. I need to make a jump to a bigger school. Chris Lowe, who broke the story yesterday, the bombshell in our 5 o'clock hour, uh, apparently is saying in other interviews today that the names he is hearing early now that Lanning is out of the running, evidently, are Norvell and Kalen DeBoer at Washington in connection with the Alabama job. DeBoer, I, I think DeBoer could be a could be a big problem. It's a wild card. A guy with I mean, we marveled at his record, but you give you give a guy like that 
the the tool chest. I just wonder. No experience in the South, right? Um, That's true. And, and he, you know, he runs. This might be uh, unfair. I I don't know enough about it, but based off what I've seen, and we've only seen him for a year. Anybody who says that they've been they've been following Kalen DeBoer, you're either Christopher Gabriel or you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, nobody, nobody knows anything. No, nobody knows anything about this guy other than what we saw this year. Well, what I saw this year was a team that was pass happy, a team that was a little bit finesse, and that is not Alabama football True. that we've seen uh, really forever, but especially during the Saban era. Now, that might be, and this is where my ignorance comes into play, that might just be Washington, a function of what they have to sure, work with sure. there. They don't have the offensive linemen. They don't have the depth. They had Pennix, and so they just leaned into that. But uh, outside looking in, that seems like a, a, a little pass happy and a drastic departure from what they have been. No doubt. And then you, you get into the same conversation we just had about Landanning, which is – you know, are are you and and Lane Danning does have some Southern ties. He was on the staff at Alabama. He's been at Georgia. Kalen DeBoer has none of that. But what Lane Danning said was, you know what? I've got a good thing. Well, I mean, he's, I, I've got a good thing here at Oregon. I've I, I've got it rolling. I'm winning. I've got my my money base, my booster base. I'm in a bit good league and everything. Uh, DeBoer has all of that. He's at a, a good place. Obviously, you can win. He was just in the national right. championship game, so we could put that to bed. Um, he's in a good conference. He's in a good city. He's kind of got a good thing going there. Does he want to uproot all that and go to a strange land where the expectations are so drastically high, just not even in the same universe, even after he went to a national championship mm-hmm. game at, at Washington, still the expectations there pale in comparison to what he would be walking into in Tuscaloosa. I feel like a lot of schools, you, you go to a national championship game and lose and then get hired. Everyone's really excited. I don't think at Bama that really even moves the needle. Mm-mm. They just don't care. Like, oh, you didn't win it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he's got everything up there, and, and they're moving into the Big Ten, so he's going to have plenty of money. Mm-hmm. Dan Lanning makes total sense to me. I mean, he's, he's got – there's a flagship Nike school. He's, uh, got that that seemed, He's got Phil Knight's money. That seemed like the best fit for them. Everything else that we're talking about here, with the possible exception of Kiffin, to me, seems He's like... He's a wild card. If I were Alabama and you're talking about bringing me DeBoer, you're talking about bringing me Mike Norvell, um, man, seems a little underwhelming. Yeah, but, I mean, we've we've seen this coming for years and years with... A lot of different jobs, and hell, we saw it with Tennessee, man. We talk about it frequently. Everything being equal with uh, once the big money spread out to all these coaches, um, you know, like Kiffin's making nine. What's Heupel? Heupel's in the nine money. and a half, yeah. You know, uh, hell, even Mark Stoops is making big money. And if you're somewhere where your fan base likes you and everything's stable – and all things why would you that's what I keep coming back to and you know you've touched on it if you don't win the nat- their expectation is a national championship every single year like I've seen it in in the few years where Saban didn't win it it was wild I would you'd go on their message boards and he ain't got it no more Paul he's lost to step games passed him by 
Is it time? Is it time? <laughs> oh, man. So, but I mean, that's that's reality down there. I don't know. I wouldn't want to stick my head in, in the lion's mouth. Not if I'm making $9 million and comfortable and going to be competing for championships where I'm at. I do have to say, we're almost 24 hours into this thing now. I am a little bit disappointed in mm-hmm. Alabama fans and their output so far in this coaching search in terms of just stupidity, insanity, and recklessness. Granted, the candlelit vigil at the statue last night, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Which one, the anti-Dabo one or just the here's your little Debbies? And- that was the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was all at the same statue. Um, but I'm going to need a little bit more Alabama fans, you bunch of damn amateurs. I'm going to need – you got to send a couple of hilljacks to an airport. We need more plane tracking right now. We need more internet outrage. I'm not seeing enough. I, I need a little more. They're out of practice. I need a little more. You guys call yourself a deranged, lunatic SEC fan base. I'm not seeing it. Roll down tide. The only thing I've seen on social media was that they want they, – they're demanding – Apparently, that the national championship trophy immediately be named after Saban. God, <laughs> of course. Shout they out, are. message board geniuses. Uh, of course, course they noxious. are. Aren't you guys just kind of, kind of tingly thinking they might get a little bit of? They got some come up. It's coming. Oh, I am. What I told Vitello last night on on the show holds true. I'm ready to run three or four guys through there. Yes. in the next ten years, get that revolving door spinning. Just a cycle of disappointment and foolish decisions. They Let's des- go. They deserve that. <laughs> yes, they do. They've had it we so We deserve that. <laughs> yes. Every, yeah. They've had it so good for so long. They deserve five to ten years wandering through the college football desert of five, is ten this years. I mean, the most. Good. We made I mean, it almost a quarter more. of a century. I'll take yeah. more. Uh, I mean, and, and they're the most moronic, entitled, deluded self-important thinks everything revolves around them fan base it's ever i I mean i i loathe them name the national championship trophy let's just call it saving ball everyone plays it (laughs) drives me insane the the crimson tide national championship trophy yeah in honor of the great nick saban god i hate those people Houston Crest, uh, we would call him the riverboat gambler. He is, we, we talk about drinking from the keg of glory or the fountain of hope. Houston is drinking from the fan run coffee machine, the fan run Keurig. I mean, I which, did every morning for eight years. Like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie Train Spotting, the, the toilet that you and McGregor <laughs> climbed out of. We, we finally, yeah. we, I wondered. Hey, while we're there would the, ever be a train spotting reference. While the, we're on the subject of Alabama, that thing is Bama red out there. The the most disgusting, unclean, unkept coffee maker in the known universe. Houston, you must be tired today <sighs> to roll the dice and drink from that thing. You're still alive. It's it makes been, a good cup of joe. It's been I 20 mean, minutes. <laughs> known coffee lover and, and station psychopath McClure would... Pay twenty bucks for somebody to bring him coffee before he drank out. It's true. He the really only, the only other person to be drinking from that thing over the past five years is one Jake Miller, no. who is about five sandwiches short of a picnic. Me, admittedly. Nate, Hickman, Brett, we all really, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what was wrong with Hollander wow. this morning. A 
apparently uh, there's the first hour of uh, Jake's show is just a 12-minute podcast. I would sooner walk back out back here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios and stick my face into Third Creek and drink straight from it. We're like a mile down from the sewage-slash-toxic waste plant down here than I would drink a cup of coffee from that Keurig. That's just foolish. It heats the water, it kills the germs, and then you have a good cup of coffee. How do you know? Mr. Wizard. Have you temped that thing? Is it getting to... Is it staying at 165 degrees? It was steaming. You might want to check at what temperature steam uh, appears. It was a joke. I, He's I not a it. doctor. No, I have not. But he has seen every episode. Russell, hit my music, please. Mm. Do you have any idea the dangers of drinking from dirty coffee makers and or dirty ice? In fact, in a study done by Dateline, Houston, pay attention to me when Man, I'm ask talking. You a I'm question, listening. Houston. I'm listening. Wait, I need some eye contact, HK. All right. <laughs> All right. Dateline did a study. Dateline. Some unreal. It's like 80, over 80%. Stone Phillips on the case. People that claim they get food poisoning from eating something in a restaurant, mm-hmm. it's not what you ate. It's ice in your glass. And that's no different from that nasty coffee machine. There was Jake no Miller ice. can drink it. He's come, he's, dude's come from a different bolt of cloth than the rest of us. Campbell kind of crazy. Yeah. He can fight off stuff like that. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Again, eight years in a row that. I drank from that. I've got some health goals for you this upcoming year. Okay. <laughs> Great. I For can't, all of I can't us. wait. Enjoy your vacation. Well, you're getting fit, buddy. What, what what theme is this? Don't you love it, ER? Don't okay. you love it when people who are noticeably less healthier than you want to give you health advice? He's He can't help himself. Stay with us. The drive continues. Blake Topmeyer of USA Today joins us next to try and sift through The wreckage of Alabama football. What's next for the Crimson Tide? We'll talk about it with Blake coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. The Drive. Fan Run Radio. The Drive continues. Blake Topmeyer is a college football columnist for the USA Today Network. He joins us now on the show. Good afternoon, Blake. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, Interesting times this week, huh? Just another week in the college football universe. I mean, good gracious, who would have thought that Saban and Belichick would retire within 24 hours of each other? The end of an era, Blake. Pete Carroll as well. Yeah, I mean, with with Saban, um, I, I guess I didn't think it would necessarily come now. I, I thought, I mean, who really knows? We're all we were all guessing, but I, I thought he might have a few more years left in him. It doesn't surprise me though that it happened the way it did. I, I didn't know that it was coming now, but I, I never expected that he was going to have this Coach K farewell tour mm-hmm. um, where he would. Uh, you know, get the flower bouquets and the little halftime ceremonies as he made his final tours of, of opposing, uh, opposing uh, venues. I kind of thought it would happen like this, like a season would end, and within a handful of days of the season being over, there would just be an announcement, and, and that would be that. Again, I, I thought we might be, you know, two, three years away from that moment, 
Uh, we weren't, so that part surprises me a little bit. But the fact that it all happened so suddenly, that part didn't surprise me at all. No one, no one needs saving. Talking to a couple of my friends in you know Alabama world, and you know there there seems to be this thought that hey, nothing Saban does isn't well planned out. There they have a procedure in place. They know what they're going to do. I'm sure you saw the you know they're going to have a replacement within 72 hours. And and I guess you know we're not 24 hours in yet, so maybe that happens. But uh, what is your thought on just the the foresight involved here from the Alabama perspective? Do they have a plan in place, or is this going to be perhaps a throwback to the uh, Tennessee coaching searches of yore, where it just seems to be uh, guys making it up as they go along? I don't think it'll reach Tennessee levels because I think somebody's going to say yes to the job before it gets to the point of being turned down by Mike Gundy for the 17th time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, I, I mean, the idea that Alabama, you know, was ready to trot out its next coach within two hours of its of its legend retiring, you know, I never really bought that. I mean, I think Greg Byrne, if he's any kind of athletic director, and he is, by the way, he's a pretty good AD down at Alabama. Like, I think he's, he's probably every year updating his list of, of five names, uh, you know, to consider if, if Nick Saban retires. And, and I think that list probably evolves from – from year to year but no i don't and maybe the hire does come within 72 hours we know that even when you don't have the heir apparent lined up ready to announce on the other side of the door um these things can happen quickly all you need is one guy to say one guy that you like to say yes uh, but no i don't i don't really buy that alabama you know already had its next coach tapped at, at the point where saban retired i mean i, I think saban's decision was probably kept really closely to the vest and we also don't really know at what point he came to this decision i mean sure if he told greg Byrne in september uh look greg i'm retiring don't tell anybody but i'm giving you you know four or five months heads up here then maybe uh alabama could have someone lined up to announce within a day or two but i, I just have a hard time believing that that's the way this unfolded you know um I, saban hasn't said when when exactly he came to this decision but I have to think that it was probably an evolving thought process. And, and I know he always takes time at the end of the year, uh, you know, to get with his wife to sort of reflect, uh, you know, a day or two together and kind of what comes next. And, um, you know, I almost wonder if the, the final decision wasn't actually made until after the season ended. Talking with Blake Topmeyer, USA Today this afternoon. Blake, five years ago, you know, Dabo Swinney, would have been the unquestioned number one guy on their list, right? Because he had kind of usurped Saban for a minute there as the the hottest coach in college football. Of course, his star is not shining nearly as brightly as it was back then. And uh, Dane Lanning has already taken himself out of the running here. It, it doesn't seem like there is a clear-cut guy at the top of the list as far as, oh, yeah, that that's the guy Alabama is going to go after and make them tell him no first. Yeah, I mean, I look at four with with Landing removing his name from contention. I look at four names, and I would be somewhat surprised if uh, if it's not from these four names. Um, I guess I would start with Washington's Kalen DeBoer and and Florida State's Mike Norvell. Um, I mean, I've I've written about DeBoer of Washington. Um, I think he checks a lot of boxes. He's won everywhere he's been. I think he has the right demeanor from the Alabama job. He's proven he can win big games. He's three and zero against Dan Landing. Uh, he's 2-0 and against Steve Sarkeesian. 
Can he recruit in the SEC? That's a fair question. He's never coached in the SEC. He's never, you know, recruited in those waters. Um, but I guess I, unlike some others, don't necessarily think having SEC experience is a firm requirement to coach in this conference. I mean, I think about the two best SEC coaches in the last 20 years, uh, or even going back further, Nick Saban had no SEC experience before LSU hired him. Um, Urban Meyer had no SEC experience before Florida hired him. So I don't think that's a total deal breaker. I think he's um, no one checks all the boxes as I look at it, but I think Dan Lanning checks a lot of the boxes. Um, if not him, you know, I think about you know three other names. I mentioned Norvell. Um, you know, he's got Florida State heading up. He's not coaching the SEC, but he's familiar with that terrain being at Florida State. He's won at two programs now. Memphis and Florida State. Alabama certainly would be a different beast, but he plays the transfer portal well. He recruits well. I think he checks a lot of boxes. And two others, uh, if it's not one of those first two, Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin. Now, with Sarkeesian, I think Alabama would be interested in Sarkeesian. Saban Tree, good play caller, great recruiter, um, good good demeanor for the job, I think. But I don't know why Sarkeesian would leave Texas. I mean, he can win a national championship right where he's at without having the pressure of having to replace Saban. I think he's got a good thing going at Texas. Don't understand why he would leave unless it's just ego. Uh, and then the last one would be Lane Kiffin. Um, Kiffin, I see it sort of as the other way around. I think Kiffin would fancy the possibility of replacing Saban. Um I think in some ways he could work there. In other ways, it might be an unusual fit. But I just don't see Alabama's administration going for the Lane Kiffin experience. I think that experience has been great for Ole Miss. I think it could be great other places. Uh, I think it would be like oil and water, uh, Kiffin and Bama's administration. But those are the four names I look at, DeBoer, Norvell, Sarkeesian, and Kiffin. And uh, like I said, I I think um, without – Total strong conviction, but I, but I do think that the the higher may come from that list of names. Blake, how attractive is the Alabama job? I know on the surface that seems like an absurd situation. It's it's ready made. You slide in there. You've already got a great roster, and, and you just keep the thing rolling. But the other side of that, Blake, is you know the expectations are going to be higher than any other football job in the known universe. And you know, ten and two is not good enough at Alabama. I know it pays well. I know it's set up so somebody can come in there and keep winning, but it seems like the hardest act of all time to follow. It is. I guess, you know, the, the, the counter argument would be what's the worst that happens if you fail, right? You get $60 million to go, to go away. I mean, it's sort of a win win scenario from that end. But I do think, like, if you have a great job, like a Steve Sarkeesian, um, those are the situations where you could be hesitant to jump into the waters at Alabama. Like if you can win the national championship where you are, if you're well compensated, if, if you feel like you have the support of your administration, if you're making recruiting momentum. Yeah, I agree. I think there could be some hesitation to say, Do I really want to be the guy to follow Nick Saban. Um, now I look at it differently uh, for instance, a uh, DeBoer, Norvell, or Kiffin, the other three guys that I mentioned. You know, can Kalen DeBoer win a national championship at Washington? I mean, he came one game away. He was in contention in the fourth quarter, but I think that's going to be harder in a four-team playoff. I think it's going to be harder, um, you know, going up against some of the powers in the Big Ten. 
Um, and Mike Norvell, how long does he want to be shackled to the ACC for however long Florida State is there? And then with Kiffin, again, can he win a national championship at Ole Miss if that's what he you know, craves to do, win a national title? I question that. I think Lane privately would question that. So, you know, I think there are some motivations for some guys to hop into Alabama. But, yeah, with someone like Sarkeesian, you got a great job. You don't have to leave to win a national title. You don't have to replace Saban where you're at. I think for guys like that, there probably isn't a ton of incentive to, to move into Alabama. Blake, do you, are, are there any like wild card names like that would you would think like a, any? How far do they have to go down the list to give it to Butch or, or Blake? Just, I mean, doing, <laughs> just doing something, just like going after some. I'm saying like a like a Mike Vrabel. I'm I'm talking like really out of left field. I mean, it is Alabama. Yeah. If they just went after him, and not Vrabel, he's just really a really easy example. Something like that. Right. No, I get your point. Um, and I think, like, if, if some of the names I mentioned are a no, then then maybe it gets to that juncture. I mean, I think that goes a little bit against what Greg Byrne would want to do here. Um, I mean, I don't know that Byrne will want to hire a guy who's, like, got 20 years of head coaching experience um, in, in the can. But I think he'll want someone who's on the younger end, still, you know, on the rise, but has head coaching experience. Um who can who can really make his name fully at Alabama? And you know, again, I think Kalen DeBoer fits into that category. Yeah, people are already starting to find out about Kalen DeBoer, but this is a guy that you know is not at the pinnacle yet. But yeah, I mean, if 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 he whiffs on you know the, the most obvious names, maybe it does have to come to someone out of left field, or um, you know, is that person out of left field going back to the? the candidate who would have been topping these lists two or three years ago, um, you know, Dabo Sweeney, right, would have been topping the list a couple years ago. I don't I don't know that Dabo fits in this era. Um, I think even though he's, you know, 15 years younger than Nick Saban, I think Nick Saban's more in tune with NIL and the transfer portal than what Dabo is. James Franklin at Penn State, I mean, that guy's a career winner, but he never wins the big games, and he would have the baked-in narrative on day one at Alabama that he can't win the big games. And so I think those are strong headwinds. The first time he would lose a game to LSU, Tennessee, or Auburn, uh, I mean, that would be the narrative that would get trotted out, right? Uh, is Well, James Franklin can't win the big games. I think that's that's tough to go against. So, yeah, I suppose it could be be someone we're just not thinking about. I think that's possible. But I think, uh, I think a, a few people have to tell Alabama no to get there. And I think one of these guys is going to tell Alabama yes. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today with us. Blake, uh, moving on to Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan, he seems to have a couple of options, right? He, he could stay put and, and enter the post-Saban era as uh, the king of college football, at least for now. Uh, and it seems like he has a couple of potential NFL options if he wants to go back to the pro game. If you were advising Jim Harbaugh on what to do next as far as his career goes. What direction would you steer him in? Uh, I think I might go NFL. Uh, I, I think, you know, as you look at college, it, it, I mean, it depends what he wants to do. I think he could have, you know, something equivalent to like a lifetime contract at Michigan. And yeah, sure, the NCAA posse is closing in, but who cares? I mean, what has the NCAA posse got anymore? And we, we just heard the NCAA president yesterday right i was reading a quote 
um, the NCAA president says that they want a fair and square or something. I'm paraphrasing, right? I mean, like, what kind of teeth does the NCAA posse have anymore? So, like, this idea that he would need to go to the NFL to get out of NCAA jail, like, and what's NCAA jail anymore? Uh, you know, you go in front of the kangaroo court and they shake their fingers at you, um, and, and, and that's that. Uh, so I don't think he needs to leave college football to get out of hot water with the NCAA. But um, on the other hand, so he, he could just stay and have a lifetime contract with Michigan, right? But on the other hand, like, I mean, what's left for him to accomplish in college football unless he just wants to start chasing Nick Saban's record for, for national titles? Like, he can go out on top. He's he's hit the pinnacle, and, and he can go back to the pro, gra- pro game and, and try to chase the Super Bowl there. So, yeah, I mean, I think if he's, up for a new challenge, which I'd actually be returning to an old challenge, um, but something different, getting away from, uh, you know, some of the pitfalls of the college game. I guess I would probably encourage him to embrace something, something new and go out on top at, at Michigan and get back to the NFL. Hey, Blake, on your way out the door here, uh, we appreciate your time this afternoon. What do you make of several of these coaches and media members leaving Tennessee? out of the their postseason top 25s, <laughs> and uh, I believe a couple of these folks who, who didn't have the Vols in there had Iowa, who, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tennessee beat 35 to nothing in the last game of the season, ranked ahead of Tennessee. It's lunacy. There, there's really no good explanation for it other than those year-end ballots are often due so quickly after the national championship, maybe had some bleary-eyed, individuals you know filling out their their ballots in the wee hours but what i don't understand about that is like i mean you're only waiting on one game you could fill out the bottom 20 21 teams on your ballot without even needing to see michigan play washington so yeah it's really strange like my first reaction was after seeing the rankings like wait a second iowa still ranked like what is that what did iowa do to earn a top 25 finish they lost 31 to nothing to Penn state they lost twenty six to nothing to Michigan. They lost thirty five to nothing against Tennessee. That was their three real games all season, and they never scored a point. And they got trounced in all three. So my initial thought was, how is Iowa even still ranked? And then when I was seeing, you know, Reese Davis having Iowa ranked and Tennessee not, uh, boy, that's baffling. I hope Reese has got a good explanation for that. And he wasn't the only one that had some curious things with Tennessee. Um, but I mean, I kind of get. Jim Mora, like the UConn coach, like bad blood there, whatever. I mean, certain people have their personal vendettas, I guess. But I, I would expect that more in the coaching world. Like some media types having Tennessee where they were, or having Iowa above Tennessee, it makes no sense. I mean, I, I generally think the AP poll, um, I, the thing I like about it is there's so many voters. It tends to sort of balance out uh, some of those wacky ballots. But in this case, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee may have got penalized a spot or two in the polls for whatever that matters. doesn't matter a ton. But it, it probably did get penalized a spot or two in the overall rankings by some of these wacky ballots, including Reese Davis not even putting Tennessee in the top 25 while he voted for a team uh, that lost to Tennessee by 35 points. I don't know. I mean, Reese spends a lot of time worrying about Alabama. So yeah. maybe he just didn't get any farther on his ballot uh, after he penciled in Bama. I'm sure Tennessee he bumped them up four spots. I'm sure Tennessee fans won't hold a grudge, Blake. 
<laughs> they never do. No. I, I, they've never held a grudge against me. I mean, you know, I, I've always been in the good graces of Tennessee fans. I know that for sure. All right, Blake, we appreciate your time, my friend, at B. Topmeyer on X. Of course, USA Today, KnoxNews.com here locally. Always appreciate it. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Blake Topmeyer, one more time on the program. A lot to continue to unpack there. We'll do it when we continue. Plus, Tennessee basketball goes down to Starkville and lays an egg. We'll sift through the wreckage. Looking for survivors when we continue next right here on Fan Run Radio. The Drive. Are you ready to help? Fan Run Radio, The Drive continues. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. Bear, what did you learn? Uh, man, he had a really good breakdown on like all the all those candidates. Like they're like I wouldn't. I'd never thought about the fact that. Um, the Alabama administration might might not. That would be like oil and water with Kiffin. I mean, it just never really occurred to me. It didn't? I mean, a little bit. It's like the first thing that I think occurred is like, are they willing to embrace the Lane train? Not not Lane Kiffin, the coach. Lane Kiffin, the coach, is, I mean, he hasn't won anything, but he's he's won a bunch of football games. He just hasn't won any titles um, but it's all the other stuff. It's the interviews and the social Tweets media and the, and the you know on-field antics and everything that that I I think is ultimately going to keep him from getting that job. If he does get that job, though, if like if Lane does it, let's just go down this list here with me. This guy will have been the head football coach for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> The Tennessee Vols, Old Miss, and Alabama. You're Southern one Cal, too. <laughs> oh, Florida and Southern, Atlantic. Oh, yeah, and yeah. and, and yeah. USC. See, so USC, Tennessee, and Alabama. And you, them Old Miss, is, you throw He's them out in young. there with He four, can still hit up Oklahoma, Texas, Michigan on his way out. <laughs> I mean, four, you know, three of the best programs in the history of the sport, and a fourth that's – it's Ole Miss or well, college football. I've been kind of inwardly dreading for the past year the thought of Lane Kiffin going to Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And having to play them. Uh, hopefully it, the Gators come off our schedule every year and maybe that takes some of the starch out of the rivalry. Probably not. But in a weird way, and it's just because this this Florida – mind bleep that they have over us for the past 30 years but does he scare you less he scares me less at alabama than he does at florida i'll I'll, I'll take it a step further guys i'd kind of like to see him just to see what would happen like if if what we think it would happen with him down there i think it'd be hysterical to watch at florida no oh at alabama yeah i mean it it would it would the rivalry would would stay at 11 for sure but it's been at 11 with Florida for so long, I just don't even know what it could do to go beyond that. I just know that Lane Kiffin would find a way to take it there. He would definitely, if you interjected him into either one of these rivalries, that would be incredible, I think. But I think his personality does just fit better at Florida. That brazen, in-your-face attitude, well, yeah. cockiness. Bama, you I don't know that their fans would him. love that. They, they want more of the buttoned-up proper just win don't tweet don't 
Brazen? Brazen? Brazen. Brazen. No one's going to bust him on it, man. That's eh, fine. It's his first week. He's had a lot on of radio. Yeah, all right. no, I mean, well, he made it. It's not his first week. He's been on with us many times. I think that's the first blatant mispronunciation we've had from him. Like, I expect that. Bro, kind let's of do 15 from minutes you. on it. Oh, you go to hell. <laughs> oh, not 15, but I'm going to uh, point it out. Wow. Keep that in mind. I'm not a uh, scholar, <laughs> a gentleman. Feel over free here. to return the I'm favor. Just, I'm just You'll have now. an opportunity probably in the next five minutes. Houston, before we get to the phones, 865-546-8200, uh, Tennessee basketball last night, Mississippi State. I missed the first half Lucky of you. this ball game. I listened to some of it on the radio driving home. Um, I I felt the entire game that we were going to win, even when we were down 15 and I was listening to the first half. I was you know what? This Mississippi State team is hot garbage. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get hot. We're going to grind it out. It's going to be super frustrating, but we're going to do it. And I thought that's exactly what was happening, even up till uh, the 15-second the mark. And Keevan, uh, you know, even even there, I, I thought we might be, you know, able to, to pull it out at the end. I'm, I'm pretty stunned that Tennessee – goes down there and plays as poorly as they did your thoughts uh i realize everyone's upset with the loss i actually thought rick barnes did a couple of really smart things in the second half obviously all the iso for connect when he had not had a great first half it was working going to the full court press as early as he did caused them absolute fits and i'm wondering if that's something we see a little bit more as the season progresses i kept saying if they could just get a lead before the four-minute mark, I thought Mississippi State would quit because you could tell they were gassed. We were in much better shape than they were, but every time we would tie it or cut it to one, it's like that discipline that got you back in the game would vanish, and we'd chuck up a three. Or uh, was it the Vescovy pass, the the bowling <laughs> oh. ball in there? when you Just stupid stuff that it, it was really frustrating because they worked so hard like physically worked very hard in the press to get back into that game and gave Mississippi State absolute fits, and all they had to do was keep their composure when they got the game tied or got it to one, and then the the dum-dum plays would show up. And it was very, very frustrating. Great night for Ziegler and Connect. Uh, I, I really thought Barnes pulled something out of the bag a little earlier than maybe he would have in the past with the full-court press. But, yeah, that – I'm with you. I I thought just get a one point lead and those guys will lay down and we just never could get over the. I'm not gonna say. It. Get over the hump. Yeah, yeah I just don't want to say it. So we kind of we kind of it was a dump at the hump part two. Well, that's spot on though. You know I I know that uh, the Barnes bashers were probably fitting to hear from them. Yeah, but four of the top five teams in the country have lost this week. Mm-hmm. So so we're one of them. I miss college basketball. Well, did UConn struggle, or were they pretty safe last night? I believe they won by single digits. But, but Kansas uh, lost. Obviously, Purdue yeah. lost this week. Houston lost. Houston lost, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just that time of year. Isn't that weird happens. how that seems to happen? Even in college football, you'll have that weird weekend where four or five in the top a, ten will lose. It's just strange. It's really not, though, if you think about it. You know, your top five team, it's early in the in the conference schedule. And a lot of these teams, going first, true road and, yeah, yeah, first true road game. First true road game. on the road. It's coming off the holidays. You're really still not you know locked in and you end up in a hostile environment and lose I, i'm just baffled by our defensive 
performance last night. It, it you know, I know a lot of people are are uh, banging on Vescovy and, and Triple J and fair enough. But to me, like we, I've become a cut. Those, those guys are both fifth year seniors. They know show. Yeah, they 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 come and go. They disappear at times, and they are who they're. That is not going to change. But the bedrock of our program is defense. We are one of the best defensive teams mm-hmm. in college basketball, and we allow an atrocious Mississippi State team to shoot fifty percent from the field, and to absolutely have their way with us in the low post. And I know Tolu Smith is well, that, a good that's player. That's four games yeah. now that you've lost when the other yes. teams had a, yeah. a very good big man. I know Tolu Smith is, is is a good player, and the other three were were good players. But you know, I I thought. Um, Adu did better. Adu did better against Smith than Awaka did, which really surprised me. Yeah. Um, when after Adu spouted out, which was an obvious turning point, um, Tolu Smith just had his way with Tobey Awaka, and that that surprised me. I thought Awaka would would it put up a little bit more of a fight and I, at I don't least think not it was get pushed back. I don't think it was so lack much. of effort. Yeah, I mean he just he, he, he just it was like watching uh like those early Mike Tyson fights when you just overpower somebody he, and we're running double teams and they just turn into and ones yeah. and it's yeah. Just, yeah. And there, there's a difference with Smith too this year is that he did not really have a free throw shot for the last 2-3 seasons. He's improved there greatly and you know being able to finish there is just making him so much more of a threat than he used to be. Let's get a call from Trey. Good afternoon, Trey. You're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Boys, I don't know if I'm happy or sad that the great Satan is dead. I uh, I was like you, Russ. I, next year is a W. It was a – or well, I guess this year. This year was a for sure win in Neyland. Well, and I wanted to beat his ass one last time. It better be a yeah. win now, and at least we got him in 2022. That, that – that is honestly like I cannot tell you how soul relieving it is that we got that win in 2022, and then uh, you know I and selfishly that I was there to see it in person, but um, that was like if we had never beaten him, that would drive me borderline insane. Um, so at least we got that that one win over him. But man, I am so excited for the uh, crap show that's gonna that I think Alabama football is going to come. Mike Norvell from Florida State doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, Sarkeesian from Texas ain't coming. Uh, and uh, Washington would be interesting. That that might be the only good hire out of the ones that um, uh, Blake listed. But, God, I hope it's Kiffin. I hope it's Kiffin. He will crater that thing and leave it in a radioactive ruin. I mean, he's done, he's done well at Ole Miss. But part of the reason I think he's done so well there is he doesn't have that that expectation. But put the uh, Alabama level of expectation on him uh, on top of the microscope he'll be under down there. Oh my God, that would just that, that just has meltdown all over it. Either and they're like mention, four straight national championships because uh, there are no rules right may, now. Maybe both, but you know. It ends poorly. It doesn't end the way Saban <laughs> ends, where he retires and there's videos of him uh, driving off into the sunset. Yeah, no, there, there's hurt like feelings. The there's a lawsuit. Police are probably involved at some point, and feelings a room are full hurt. Of hookers and drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even that. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll. I mean, no, it'll, it'll be something just completely dumb and just clueless. I don't know. But, uh, I would be interested in, in watching it, but then again, in kind of an outlaw era where there don't seem to be a whole lot of guardrails and rules, 
part of me is, you know, a little bit, I have some apprehension about Lane Kiffin being in a place with that much money, the power, resources, yeah, the resources to do, yeah, to indulge his every, you know, every whim. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, bear, it could turn into a nightmare for us, but, uh, you know, Kiffin at Alabama beating our brains in every year. Um, Kiffin's never had trouble recruiting. I think it's far more likely that it turns into uh, just just a, a dumpster fire. But anyway, on to Mississippi State. Um, yeah, guys, I had not watched us get out physical like that. For uh, I don't know if we we had truly gotten out physical this season, except for maybe Purdue with uh, Zach Eady. But it was it was a, it was the same it was the same story down there. We just you're right, Russ. They got a dominant big man. That's that's not that's not good for us. That's not a good matchup. Adu's just he's lengthy, but he's not he's not thick. And and uh, Awaka is, is is supposed to be that guy that can kind of body up people um, and not get out muscle. But they just had his way with him last night. And Hubbard, I mean. Dude, that that dude was automatic from three. I mean, it was infuriating to watch. I just I miss <clears throat> I miss when we had that. You know, Chris, can you guys think of anybody else that that was just almost borderline automatic besides Chris Lofton that we've had? No, I mean those di- guys don't come around much. But I mean, let's not lose sight of Dalton Connect twenty eight four of nine from three point range. I mean that's. That's a Lofton-esque line. Yeah, and he right should there. have, and for being honest, I mean, he, he should have taken that last shot and not that whatever happened with the guy there. Oh, yeah. That was it, an it, awful it, shot. And the other thing, yeah, it, it was. And the other thing, Justin Ganey needs to not get another shot. I mean, like, I feel bad for him. You know, his dad's a great coach, but he just does not give you anything offensively. And he has to be knocking them down in practice. Or otherwise, I feel like they wouldn't let him fire him off in yeah. games like he does. Here, here's but my thing should. with Ganey and uh, uh, Trey. We got to go. Appreciate it, my man. Like Ganey is zero of five last night from the field in nine and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Vescovy is one of four in twenty-one and a half minutes. So Vescovy, the more veteran, more proven player, plays twelve more minutes and, and takes one less shot. I know Vescovy was wasn't on last night, but. That's got to – those numbers the have got to reverse off. a little bit. I, yep. You know, I know Ganey's a shooter. He's going to play a little bit. He's going to shoot a little bit. But Vescovy's got to shoot more. So they got to figure that ratio mm-hmm. out to me. Stay with us. The drive continues. Hour number two coming up. The drive. Hi, this-